It's 2022, baby. We're back. This is Pie Hard. Looking at Collingwood today, it's hard to imagine that this was one of the toughest suburbs in Melbourne. I have a magpie tattooed in a certain spot. I wouldn't say it's the biggest magpie getting around. Out of control brawl outside a Collingwood pub. 60 years ago, it was lined with boot factories. As gritty, grotty suburbs in prime locations turned into trendy hotspots. One's had five bounces, nearly get another one. He's the smartest guy on the team. He's going to have too many to pick from. You've got to go back to Billy Graham at the MCG for an American to dominate like this. The bubbles bursting three decades of grand final wobbles. I still can't believe it. I can. Oh. A weekend order by the club of 288,000 cans to be consumed. More comfortable with myself. It's as close as you'll get to greatness, you peanut. Shut up. Okay, for everyone that's new to Pie Hard, Pie Hard's a podcast about Collingwood, mm-hmm. unearthing the stories, strange beauty, and offbeat culture of the pies and beyond. We don't just comment on games and analytics. We comment on the people, the characters, the culture, and the amazing mythology that makes up this great club of ours. In fact, some would say we never comment on games or analytics, Damo, but... <laughs> I don't think we have yet, and I think there's a reason for that. Um, so, it's yeah. because people can go and tune into Robbo if they want the hard-hitting analysis. <laughs> tune into Pie Hard for culture. Deep culture. Deep state culture. Deep state. Now, I was really excited, Alex, to watch the two um, pre-season warm-up games games the first one was against hawthorne and the second one was against gws Mm -hmm. for the debut of i guess a new look collingwood oh yeah i think we can call it a new look collingwood and whilst all the attention was firmly fixed on number 35 young prodigal son the dacosian calendar the heir to the throne nick dacos one thing that really really felt special to me was seeing the unveiling of goggles cox Oh, yes. Um, Strong look. The new, the new look, which had been teased throughout the preseason. We'd, we'd seen elements of it. Um, we'd seen training shots. We'd seen snaps, but not in a game day scenario. And I did some digging. Mm. It's a fascinating story, these glasses. Pray tell. They are produced in Colac. Get out. No. So, there's a company in Colac called iSports. They've got a great, great number. It's a classic one three hundred I man E Y E M A N. Do you remember? Do you remember that craze in the nineties where, um, you know, some some company or some firm was selling those, you know, like one eight hundred pizza pizza. Okay. If you call, if you call, it's the numerical text. You know, remember when, oh, remember yeah. when phones phones had the, oh, the letters on them? Yeah, which mm. matches the digital. Yeah, the, the letters that- match the numbers. Get it? Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's it. So there is a company in Colac called iSports, and the iMan runs it. And they they are the official, I guess, creators or manufacturers of the the Cox goggle. Wow! And you can pick up a pair. This is I thought this was actually pretty reasonable. So it's called the Pro Gear Sports Goggle. Sounds like an ad. It's not an ad. Pro Gear Sports Goggle for one hundred and seventy nine dollars. Wow! Yeah. So for one hundred and seventy nine dollars, you could rock. Theoretically, rock the um, Mason Cox model pro gear. It's like the um, like the Richies at the cricket. They all dress up as Richie Benno. Right. We could mm. start our own little group in the out of there called the Cox. Yes, but I got to say, seeing Mason Cox in these goggles, it's like all my Christmases came at once. I can I just I I still cannot get over the beautiful aesthetic mm. power of the great man, the big man. In these goggles, and I've got to say, Damo, the only concern I have about them is not on an aesthetic level at all. It's just they appear to be really dark. The lenses, <laughs> the tint, the yeah. tint is dark, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. if he's trying somehow to match um, the the level of light that he enjoyed during that famous prelim against Richmond. Mm. So every game's a night game for Mason this season. What I will say is that it's not going to be an average season. If you think of Horace Grant, Mm. who won three championships with the Bulls, when you pull Mm. off these manoeuvres, when you go large on this this type of strong look, it can either go very poorly or really Mm. well. And I think that we're destined with Mason for something special. And the goals just complete the package. Yeah, it feels like this is the missing. I mean, in our heads, it feels like this is the missing piece, and it's mm. like this is this is what's required to take Cox to the next level. Um, I hope that's the case, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then it, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of talk about detached retinas, and um, you know, 
mismatched vision and seeing double and stuff with Cox. And he's been he's been handy with with kind of detached retinas, but now that those retinas are back and attached, mm. and we've got the pro gear models in various tints to deal with the um, the multiple or the multitude of grounds around Australia, different conditions. And there's really nothing else now. There's no there's there's no excuses now. The um, the cat's out of the bag. You know, the bulls are running down the Pamplona streets. And he's drawn attention to himself. I mean, he's he's been under the microscope for years. Mm, mm. Opposition fans love hanging shit on Cox. And now mm. he's like, look at me. I'm going to dress up as the fucking Terminator mm. and everything I do is going to be that much much more visible, If as if he wasn't already visible at nine feet tall. Nice to see the club also leaning into the Terminator T-1000, um, you know, aesthetic for their socials. I think that's that's a really strong look. 12 months too late, mate. You had that going last mm, year. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, missed opportunity. But look. We wish him the best. Um, he's he's bringing he's bringing a strong start to the season on aesthetic level, and mm. can't wait to see what you produce, Mason. Okay, so nice little warm up introduction into a massive season of Pie Hard. We're back. We have some new additions to the pod this year. Our commitment to you guys out there in um, Pie Hard land is that we're going to try and do this a little bit more frequently. So I think last year it was, it was slightly sporadic, but I think it's a new Collingwood this year. So it only feels right that it's a slightly new Pie Hard. Still keeping all the, um, the remnants of what makes Collingwood and the club unique and great and big and powerful but just with a bit of a a, a bit of a new sheen a bit of a new um lick of paint if you will demo we're committed to going weekly there you go i said it <laughs> yeah it's on record now we're going weekly um how long do you, you know it's it's easy this time of year because enthusiasm is at all-time highs mm. the win-loss mm. ledger is looking very healthy we have all these kids running around um you know we're beating team in more well how long, though, does it take for mm. the um, the grind to set in and our commitment to going weekly start mm. to... I can tell you how long because you're away next week. So... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'd say I'd say if it's if we're zero on seven yeah. and it's an early onset winter, so, yeah. you know, we start to see a little bit of frost, yeah. you know, the weather starts to turn. I mean, I can easily see this... Um, Hard turning into a biannual podcast, but look, let's not let's not go that far down the line at the moment. For for now, we're we're true to our word, mm. and we are we are going weekly. But look, really excited. We're gonna be we're gonna be doing all of the old stuff. Mm. We'll be meeting you guys back at football this year, which I can't wait. Um, I've really missed sort of the shenanigans oh, have we ever. that come with heading to the MCG on a wintry Saturday afternoon getting blazed in the outer, beers beforehand, beers afterwards. So, look, we're really looking forward to um, getting back into it and um, and hearing what, what the fans have to say. And I will say, look, before we get into that, I think we always start the year, you know, with our, with our marketing hats on. Mm. Um, and this year is no different. So, we've been sort of gestating on a bit of a marketing, a marketing initiative for Pie Hard and Collingwood. So at the moment, Alex, I'm not sure if you're familiar. Uh, do you know what our sort of slogan is? Oh, it's been side by side for a number of years. Is that it? No, side by side is is used, but it's not our like. It's not you know the the club's sort of official marketing slogan at the moment. I call it a slogan. It's more like a it's more like a tagline, I okay. guess. Yeah. No, at the moment it's um it's made by many. Have you oh, seen that? I have seen that floating around. Yeah. So look. With, just with regards to Made by Many, I think it really encapsulates the new look Collingwood, the fact that, you know, we're a multitude of, of clubs, um, men and women, netball, mm-hmm. um, wheelchair. Like, it, it really does sort of- Broad church. Yeah, exactly, right? So, it does it does reflect the changing face of the club. But when I think of slogans, I think of like, you know- I don't know if anyone's seen like the NBA. The NBA has some really good ones. I think Milwaukee at the moment has Fear the Deer. Have you seen that? Mm, that's good. Strong. Memf- Memphis Gri- Grizzlies have Grit and Grind. Toronto has a really good one. Toronto's is Hustle Over Hype. Mm. So, I think, I think you know, when you think about Made by Many, to me it feels like sort of more of an internal sort of strategic platform. It's like, okay, everything we do is this one club unifi- unified 
and we're more than the sum of its parts, right? We're made, you know, the, the bootstrapper is as important as the president, as is the cheer squad, you know, supporter. Mm. And I think that's great. Like, I, I, I think that's awesome. But if we're, you know, if we're really sort of getting down to the bones of, of what football is about, I think it's, it's competitive. Mm. And I think you know we've we've spoken about this a lot of a lot of times on Pie Hard that Collingwood has a unique you know um, placing in the football world where you know we were initially the underdogs you know we did we did come from not a lot we rose up to be the champions of Australian football um, we're hated by many there's a, certainly an us against them mentality mm-hmm. um, and we're sort of like one of the only teams that can really own black. I'm not saying we're the only team that has black in the strip, but certainly the black and white. And black's not a colour, is it? There's not ma- many teams with black, though, is there? What's, what not are the St. Kilda and Essendon, I think. Are they the only other two? Yeah, okay. I think you're probably right. Yeah. I, th- I think so. We might be missing one. I don't know. It changes so often. Um, but, yeah, just sort of like owning that sort of dark side, right? And we've spoken about this before and, um, you know, without without kind of rolling out old tropes, you know, um, around kind of the us versus them mentality it's kind of owning that owning that look and i, I remember did you did you, if you did watch that first game against hawthorne mm-hmm. um the club wore an all black strip which kind of looked really i don't know it really stood out to me it kind of looked like i'm not saying that that should replace the, the black and white no way but it was just interesting to see a team sort of running around in black and you see mm-hmm. it every day at training and it just looks quite unique and it stands out so We've been kicking around some um, thought starters uh, on just what a what a bit of a slogan for 2022 could be. All right, what do you got for us? The first one, and these are these these are the, these are the ones that didn't make the cut. Okay, yeah. So the first one is really leaning into the unique aspects of the Pika Pika, the magpie bird itself. Mm. Now, those oh. who have listened to Pie Hard will know. And those who have any understanding of Australian birds will know that the Pika Pika, the Australian magpie, has a very unique warble. Mm. It has a very unique song. It's a songbird. That that song is is often called a call. Mm. So the first slogan that we've we've been kicking around is "Heed the call." Yeah, good. So ma- imagine this with a hashtag. Hashtag Heed the call. Heed is <clears> a nice <throat> kind of or almost a medieval overtones. Heed. Mm, mm. Bow down. Respect. Heed. Heed. Uh, the second one is sort of leaning into more of a wartime aesthetic, probably relevant for the modern times, but, you know, the very nature of a magpie is it is a territorial beast and it can get quite aggressive during springtime, as we know, same with the team. Mm. So, the next one is death from above. Ah, uh, yeah, strong. Now, have been magpies have been known to um, inflict fatal injuries. I think there was a death last year. So, if you think we're kidding about the death from above, um, you know, you need to do your research because they are, you know, fuck with those birds at at, at your peril. Get your um, cable ties out. Yeah. The, the next one is um, sort of leaning into a, a, a common shout that you'll hear at the MCG, which is Khan the Mighty Magpies. Um, so- That's it. Ho- yeah. No, no. Home of the Mighty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not, not, not resonating with me. No. And then the the last one before we get into the the eventual candidate that I think we're going to roll forward with was fly, fight, win. So, again, kind of leaning into the – it's almost like the, the SAS sort of cries of who dares win, fly, fight, win. It, it kind of reminds me of fly, flight, like, you know, the flight response. We don't want to be – you know, No, no, fight or fight or flight. flight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, so we're fighting. Confusing. We're fighting. We want to fight, hopefully. Yep. <clears throat> so, yeah, the, the one that we've sort of settled on, and we're going to kick this around, so you'll see this sort of on our socials. You'll see us kind of, you know, gestate on this one and, and get some creative help on it and maybe launch a campaign before the start of the season. But we're, we're going to run with take sides. Yeah, strong. And I think I think that's where we're feeling at the moment. Mm. There's, there's a little bit of that us versus their mentality. There's obviously a nod to side by side and the jumper. For me, it feels like it's a bit of a, you know, a line in the sand moment. Yeah. Like, here we are. It's a new Collingwood. New Collingwood. It's a new, new season. New juncture. Jump on board now. Like, take sides and stick with it because it's it's going to be a long journey, but now's the time to declare your loyalty um, mm. versus the rest of the football world. Like it. I like it. It's strong. Okay. Well, well, we'll kick it out there. Let us know what you think. Hashtag take sides. Take sides. Let us know if that could come. Collingwood, if you're listening, I don't think Collingwood listens to this podcast, but if you are listening, we have drawn up a draft agreement 
um, and some terms just around the usage. Mm-hmm. Uh, 12 months, I think, is standard in the industry for, for usage. So, um, drop us a line, Collingwood, if you, if you do receive that, and we'll, we'll talk more about Take Sides. Let's kick this baby along. We're moving into a segment that you'll remember fondly from the last year. It's called Hard Yes, Hard No. It's where we take a look at all the the happenings uh, in Magpie Land the week prior. In this case, it's the preseason. And I'm going to ask you to kick off with your hard yes, Alex. Samo, my hard yes um, is, you know, it's really lovely getting to know a new coach. And I've really enjoyed, you know, without the pressure of win-loss ratios and, you know, plummeting on field fortunes. I've really enjoyed trying to decipher uh, Craig Fly McRae's personality via, you know, those little juicy bits of nuggets of content the Collingwood media team uh, dish out to us. And one of those Mm. juicy nuggets of content was, I think you may recall, or you maybe missed it, but there was an announcement um, of the leadership group, which took place in one of the many auditoriums uh, of the Alexis Centre. Mm. Did you hear that one at the time, Damo, with with the coach talking about who the leaders were for 2022? I don't think I heard anything. I just saw I just saw a visual of the leaders Got on it. a basketball court. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the themes for today's podcast, which has come come about quite organically, is um, the 90s, and we love the 90s. Um, in fact, the 90s is kind of our spirit beast here at Pie Hard. 90s Collingwood is a fantastic era, not necessarily on field if you take 990 out of the equation, but Culturally, it was certainly a high point, an apex. And one of the things I noticed about Craig Fly McRae when I saw this clip was that he seems to be leaning into the 90s as well. Now, mm. I'm going to play a little soundbite, Damon. I want you to see if you can decipher what uh, mega popular entertainment hit from the 90s Craig Fly McRae was leaning into during his announcement of the leadership group. Okay. Um, I've got to say... I- some of the little things just make me happy. Just little things. Um, <laughs> new pair of shorts. Real, real happy. Um, stole a park in the executive park today. Real happy. <laughs> what have we got there, Damo? <laughs> it's, it's the monologue, isn't it? It's the classic... Seinfeld monologue. That's really that's really good, Alex. I think you're you've you've come along a long way. But that was that was great. I, I missed that. Was that the routine? Was it? Yeah. So he's opening the announcement of the leadership group with what can only be described as like a sauntering back and forth at the front of the auditorium with some gags, just like loose in the crowd. Um, unfortunately, I don't know whether it's just the editing of the video, but. The reality was probably fell a bit short from Seinfeld. He, I'm just not sure that he got the reaction he was after. Okay, um, I've got to say, some of the little things just make me happy. Just little things. Um, new pair of shorts, real, real happy. Um, stole a park in the executive park today, real happy. So another thing that makes me happy is we're going to announce our leadership group. How we'll finalise that, and you guys. <laughs> It just kind of bombed, I think, a little bit. Um, but I loved uh, his attitude. Mm. And he's got this kind of mix of earnestness and cheekiness. He always seems to be on the verge of breaking out in a smile. So getting to know Craig Fly McRae and his quirky sense of humor mm. has been my ha- hard yes uh, for the offseason. I must say, like, also like the levels in that the delivery of that joke, like the reference of what can only be a reference to the infamous Travis Cloak stealing Gary Pert's car park mm, in 2013. Yeah. Um, did some digging. McRae mm-hmm. was at the club between 2011 and 2015. And if you recall, there was some leaked emails back and forth between Travis Cloak and Gary Pert. Do you, do you remember that? Oh, I certainly do, yeah. yeah um, I'm not sure we ever got to the bottom of who leaked the emails between the CEO and the star centre-half forward. But McRae, now a number of years later, a senior coach, trawling this one back up um, and using it as fodder for his um, stand-up routine. You know, there's something a bit fishy here. I'm not sure whether McRae was involved perhaps in that infamous car park scandal, mm. Alexa Centre, but uh, we'll leave is that there, one for another day. Craig, Craig McRae was the uh, the smoking man. Quite possibly. In the X, X-Files. Yeah, oh, look, I, I, I love it. I think... You know, McRae has this sort of, you know, simmering dad energy 
um, deep down. I don't know if he actually is a father. I know he got remarried. I know he's, you know, classic divorced dad, mm-hmm. sort of re- remarried setup, which we love. Um, <laughs> we love so, it. you know, that comes through in, in, in the joke telling. But I think, I think we, in those scenarios, you know, where you're presenting to 50-odd young guys and, and support crew, it's okay to sort of, you know, lean into that that kind of like humor side. Remember Gary Hocking? Remember Buddha Hocking was kind of famous for doing that when he was at the club for six months or however long it was. Whiskers. Whiskers. And I think it, you know, just breaks, just, you know, it just breaks down the, even if you don't land those jobs, uh, those jokes, and um, we're certainly not the right people to be reviewing and and, and um, commenting on jokes. Um, but I think, you know, it's just, it just, Creates a different environment, less less pressure, less tension. Well, there's only probably and, two people in the room mm. that would get the reference to the Travis mm. Cloak Gary Pert car park scandal, and that'd be mm. probably just Pendles and Sidebottom. Mm, but mm. Um, anyway. I like I like the thread there. I like the thread. Was that when was that when Cloak drove the Hummer? Do you remember he had a Hummer yeah. for a while? Oh. He had one of those big like Iraq style. Yeah, war it was the Hummer. Hummers. He, yeah. he in the email chain which may or may not have been fabricated. Mm. At one stage in the email chain, Travis is like, well, how do you know it's me? And Gary Pert's like, because you drive a bloody Hummer, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> yes, takes up two spots. So good. Okay, I love it. I love it. We wish McRae all the best this year. We're going to be watching and, and um, yeah, looking to see what he can he can get, ring out of this uh, out of this kind of top end and bottom end squad that we've got at the moment. Mm. My hard yes, Alex, if I can just dive straight into it. Mm-hmm. We've, we've spoken a lot about the golden age of preseason camps. There was, of course, Arizona, Flagstaff, mm. Arizona, under Mick Malthouse. I think the guys also went to Utah yeah. at one point. Um, <clears throat> when some of that soft cap started hitting, I, I know Falls Creek, you know, became yeah. became a bit of a, 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 a place that we'd go and Tricking. just get that kind of high altitude. I think we even had at one point in the Lexus Center a high altitude Chamber. What do you call it? Chamber. Surely they've still got that. That would have I cost think that's a fortune. Mothballed somewhere in the in the Lexus Center, but it was very warming to 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 um to see over the off season. Um, and again, released quite brilliantly by the the social media team or the admin at Collingwood. So shout out for capturing all this content and doing such a good job at it. But um, you know, we did get word. I think through journalists that. Collingwood players had been summoned to Vic Park early in the morning and were setting off on a one or two day camp mm-hmm. to Wonga Park of all places. Yeah, Shout that's out to right. um, yeah, any of our Pi Hard Legion listening in Wonga Park. But we are, we do we do like the idea of a preseason camp, and we do think that they should be brought back, and we do think that they have a you know they're they're really important in fusing together a relatively new group. So it was very interesting to see the return of that. I, I loved it. I know you know. Different people have different points of view on on preseason camps, and you know, whenever you start reading about the sort of SAS style of you know, come come with you know, uh, 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 we'll be sleeping outside, and you'll be on rations, mm. and we'll be you know, we'll bring in you know, a Norman Schwarzkopf esque you know, um, military mm. leader to kind of run drills. You kind of roll your eyes a little bit, but walk I think on it, coals. you know, at the, yeah, walk on coals. At the center of it, though, is is just is just bonding and bonding I think and bondage. They're re- really important bonding and bondage. Mm. But it was really pleasing to see um, to see that. And I know you had some comments, Al, on the subsequent videos that were released around the camp and how that was kind of set up. And I think it it does link to McRae being, you know, let's let's just say a traditionalist in many ways. Yeah. Well, look, I I think you're spot on. I'm really kind of chuffed by the way. Wonga Park was brought into the Magpie universe unexpectedly. And it's one of those unforeseen effects, I think, of also COVID and the introduction of a hard cap is it's kind of the the league and its teams have had to double down on being more thrifty and looking locally for their experiences. And as you said, like from Flagstaff, Arizona to Wonga Park, in some ways it's like a return to the suburban, you know, world of and you can see it reflected in our trip to Morwell in the preseason. Um, I believe the players had a training session at Vic Park at one stage, which I thought was a great. It's obviously a very um, symbolic gesture to take the the squad back to Vic Park. But you're, you're too right. Wonga Park, interesting choice. Um, and of course, the standout moment from the Wonga Park trip was uh, 
the fact that Dennis Banks was invited to address the playing group. Now, I just want to play um, Dennis's uh, address to the playing group because, in, in all honesty, it probably speaks for itself in a lot of ways and we can have a discussion about it shortly. Well, this is the hardest. Oh, jeez, this is hard. Pants was in the best set of legs that I've ever seen. He was powerful. I don't know who's got him here, but the first 10 metres, Darren was explosive. Um, he was he was the, the talker of the group. He had the jokes. He was the joke maker. He'd make a Saturday night on a Sunday sound like it was the best, best thing ever, didn't he? He turned it into something that wasn't. But, um, but he was dynamic. He was tough. He, he had shit in him. If, if someone was in front of him, he'd go through him. Um, he played in that, that grand final four weeks out. Well, five weeks, five weeks out, I broke my wrist. I got it pinned. Then he broke his thumb. It was probably two or three weeks later. I said, no way known he was going to play. Anyway, he played with needles. The pain he was in every week, every training session was unbelievable. But just him being out in the field was inspirational enough for everyone in that side that every final game, we played our best footy in the finals, we won those three finals, and it was because of Pants. He, he was just inspirational. And he, he'd do anything for all his teammates as well. Um, and on oh, closing there, guys, yeah, Pants was the, just the best bloke ever. We all miss him. We all, we all get choices. We all make choices, and sometimes we make the wrong ones. He made the wrong choice, right? So, and the choices you make are everlasting. Darren's dad couldn't cope. He took his life. We all miss him. We, Every time we celebrate something we want, we, we want him here. So, so guys, make the right choice. I'm spilling I wasn't there with him that night. Because he wouldn't have drove home. So look after your, your teammates, look after your families, and good luck for the year, boys. There's a lot to love about that demo. Not least of all, it's an incredible, incredibly powerful and raw speech by Dennis about his his great mate, uh, Darren Mullane. I just love the opening. Pants was, he had the best set of legs I've ever seen. I'm not sure <laughs> that Dennis knows the poetic beauty of opening <laughs> with that line. But the, the other line, which I think is so powerful, or just so, just the delivery is just so spot on. He had shit in him. <laughs> if someone was in front of him, he'd go through him. It's so unvarnished and raw, like the way yeah. he delivers that speech. And I suppose my takeaway is like, and what I really enjoy about it is that I expected from that type of preseason speaker for him to like use the story um, and kind of direct it into a metaphor or something. But there's actually like no level of abstraction that he goes mm. to. Like you could imagine a, an inspirational speaker saying, well, this is what happened to my mate. And it's a lesson how you need to get the best out of yourself because you never know when your opportunity will be taken away or whatever it is. But the whole episode is still so present and so raw with Dennis Banks that it's like the opposite of one of those confected Anzac mm. Day speeches about going to war with your mates and all that that bullshit and, and bluster that usually gets presented. Mm. He just says how it how it is. Like he died, his mate died, it was tragic. He wishes he was there to stop him. And his message is is just is like one of pure honesty. It's like, look, look after your teammates and your families. Good luck for the year. And there's something in the stripped back nature of that message. It's probably the single most honest piece of like Collingwood content I've ever seen on the internet. Um, mm. So a big tick for me. I mean, I'm I'm not sure if McRae's behind this kind of return to the '90s and the re-embracing of that. I suspect it's probably more Graham Wright, who would obviously be a friend of Dennis Banks. Mm. Um, yeah, what did you make of it? 
Yeah, I agree. It sort of really, really hit hard. And I sort of completely agree. Like, I, you know, I can't, how many times would Dennis Banks have been asked to comment on his best mate pants, you know, over the last 30 years at sportsman's functions, mm. at, you know, stopped in the street, like, you know, in various guises around the football club. So you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't begrudge him to have like a really kind of neat laden out script mm. um, with a gag, you know, and a couple of things just to lighten the mood. But, you know, to to kind of hear that story, the thing that really stuck with me was it was, you know, it was real. Like it, it wasn't rehearsed. It was like it kind of flowed out in a stream of sort of stuttered consciousness, yeah. you know, starting with a comment around the legs, which obviously meant, you know, he was a powerful powerfully built footballer before footballers were like sort of built that way yeah um to then sort of like go into that night and that moment and then the after effects of it um and how you know they, they celebrate that premiership but they you know he's, he's not a part of that oh and the it just, father, it just, unbelievable and the father and and i think the context right that that probably doesn't come through when we're talking about on the in this podcast is i believe this was like i don't know like 6 a.m at Victoria Park. So, like, very early in the morning, um, everyone had been kind of roused at about 5 a.m. You're right, they'd gone to Victoria Park and I think they'd done a quick sort of, like, sprint drill session. And then Tony Shaw spoke to them about, you know, the significance of their number, mm -hmm. you know, understanding what, what the number means and what it represents and who played in the number and how that was really important to him um, and, you know, supporting your friends and, and you know, premierships are important but it's it's at the end of the day it's just being there for your mate and then to, to have the banks piece drop a couple mm. of days later and just have that be so raw and um you know just just so powerful it's great and look you know again props to mccray for sort of you know leaning back into that um that side-by-side -side mateship sort of the significance of that at the collingwood football club and you know there'd be a lot of players in that group that wouldn't necessarily know who Dennis Banks is or was or wouldn't have supported the team growing up or, mm -hmm. or sort of- Well, they wouldn't know, have been born. I mean- Know a great deal about of, Sarah Mullane. Most of the squad mm. would have been born after, you know, Mullane and Banks finished finished up, I imagine. Mm. I mean, and this look, this might be a long bow, but, you know, I, I think that really resonated. We listened to the Brody Grundy interview um, with Rana Hussein, how, you know, he referenced, very briefly referenced that camp and- you know, understanding a little bit more about the the history and the significance of the club and the jumper and why there's so much, um, you know, feverish adulation and, and passion from supporters, which can sometimes bubble over and expectations are high and all of that stuff. So, it definitely has struck a chord with the playing group. And I, this is a long bow, but even in the GWS practice match, seeing Kruger, you know, mm. a new recruit at the club, sort of in the goal square, Oh, take had, take on a contest. He had shit in, um, him in that moment. Yeah, that that to to me that's like I feel, and again, this might be a long bow, but I feel like you know those types of speeches and 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 talks of the likes of Banks, you know, does in that split second, you know, lays a foundation of some sort. Empower empower a footballer to go. I'm just gonna. This is it. I'm fucking gonna go for it. The other thought I had, Damo, was. I feel like this return to the 90s and this return to, you know, the heritage of, of the old-fashioned Collingwood, it's like the opposite direction to what Buckley took us. When I say that, I mean like Nathan Buckley, he actually firsthand witnessed as a player the dying convulsions of, you know, that non-professional era, the, the era of the, you know, the Vic Park Spa um, when every second player was a plumber. Um, and perhaps the mm -hmm. standards of professionalism weren't quite there. And Nathan Buckley's legacy as a player and a coach, I think, was to almost single-handedly drag the club from that non-professional to professional era. And I think that even if it was, even if it wasn't deliberate, perhaps Buckley's mandate in his head was to leave behind some of those old-fashioned, um, unprofessional stories of Collingwood, which epitomised by players like Banks and Mullane, and to usher in this new, you know, heightened environment of elite professionalism and this to me after Buckley's era has finished smacks of a return I think as I said probably via Graham Wright as much as by McRae mm. a return to the heritage of the place which is which is awesome to see 
Yeah, and look, I think I think Eddie, you know, there'll be no one who kind of you know respects the the legacy of Collingwood, I guess, more than Eddie Maguire in the sense that he was friends with uh, with Mullane, you know, was was certainly in and around that team in 1990 and would understand the importance. And, he, you know, he's a historian in himself. But, you know, there was that period in the early 2000s where the club sort of like deliberately knew it had to evolve and, and get bigger and mm. move to the new facilities and sort of just, you know, put the Victoria Park thing behind behind yep. them, you know, very, very much. It was the right decision, obviously, to, um, you know, to pull the the club into the 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 new era the new century but um yeah it just feels like there's been that slight sort of like hang on we don't have to completely like jettison ourselves from from that past and you know even at the start of that video the historian standing out the front of the the turnstiles and you know going into the story of how you know in the late 1800s you know Abbotsford and Collingwood wasn't a great place to be. It was like, you know, the boot factories, the tanneries, the abattoirs, you know, it was where you lived if you were really poor. Um, it would flood. Um, you know, the club was called the Flatties. You know, that was the nickname of the club early on. Gritty. You know, with the Hawthorns and the the Richmonds all elevated up on hills and, you know. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. We've, we've talked about, you know, Kill for Collingwood and that that fabulous historical text about, you know, Collingwood back then and how the the club is responsible for sort of like uniting a people and sort of bringing them out of the mire and just to, just to kind of like give that context and again it was referenced by Brody Grundy in the um in his interview just to give the context of 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 how important that club was for many people back then and still is I think it's I think just you know with a, with a younger generation coming through in teams and you know different motivations for playing well and um you know, I think those those reminders or those those like kind of educational pieces, I think they're important and I think they work. Let's quickly do some hard no's and then there's some big breaking news, Club Land, so we should dive into that. My hard no for the week, Damo, is it's a new phrase which I'm coining. It's called legacy buffing. Now, when I say legacy buffing, I mean coaches that are sacked often after the fact come back, usually in the year or two after they're sacked and they start to buff their legacy a bit by, you know, redirecting the narrative a little bit in their favour. And I saw Nathan Buckley, who we love, um, do some legacy buffing the last week or so. He's he's come out um, in an interview, I think it might have been on SCN, um, and he said, quote, if the Ford 50 footy style from Richmond can come across and you're going to, and you're going to go straight line, which we coached all through the preseason of 2021, if that comes through and it takes hold, there's no reason why You've got a lot of top-end talent there. And he's referencing there's no reason why we can't make finals this year. Yeah. Oh, just f- didn't quite sit with me, mm. right? Like it's on the one hand, if Collingwood does really poorly this year, the narrative might be, well, look, Nathan was getting the best out of the list. Um, and if Collingwood does really well and makes finals, he's kind of covering that end of the spectrum as well by saying, well, we actually – trained that kind of forward at all cost style in the last preseason um, and just almost claiming just a little bit of the genesis of the new the new game style under McRae, which I think is oh, just a little bit disingenuous. Like I don't think it's a, a hugely sinister transgression mm. from Nathan, but it's it's a little bit unnecessary. Um, great that he thinks that we might make finals, but then to to kind of extrapolate from that that you know, he kind of got the ball rolling in in a, in a small way in that direction uh, strategically. Hmm, not sure. A little bit jarring. Yeah, look, uh, it's going to be interesting because Nathan's in the media now, so he's going to have a lot of comments to say on, on the on the Collingwood Football Club. Hmm. I I listened to those comments. I didn't I didn't take the same. I didn't I didn't kind of take it that way. Um, I think there's a little bit of like revisionist history at play. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly. There is a new game style. There is a new game plan. We were talking about this on the on the um, on the group chat. Just how um, how kind of incredible this new coaching group is from a um, from an experience and a qualification point of view. Like you've got what were we saying? You've basically got two former senior coaches mm-hmm. in Bolton and Lepich. Yep. Um, you've got McRae, a first time coach, who's kind of you know 
grown up in the shadow of Lee Matthews, former mm. Collingwood coach, coaching leg- legend, Lepich as well. Um, and you've got sort of, you know, you've just got a, a ton of sort of like learned experience and um, different styles and different game plans from different organizations. So I think, you know, regardless of those comments from Nathan, it's going to be a very different game plan and a very different game style. So it's not going to be an extension of what was kind of built. It's it's going to be like, you know, tear it, tear it no, down and build it back up again. It's totally opposite. I mean, he's... And there's there's going to be elements. There's going to be elements that are consistent because it's not like... You know, football just evolves every year and game plans change, but they don't change radically. Like it's still. McRae said, oh, we're not going to go backwards. Mm. And that was a pretty pointed yeah, way comment. of saying that, like, these players have been taught to retain possession mm. and not trust themselves and not not feel that freedom to make mistakes. And that, that, that's the biggest thing about the Richmond game plan, from my point of view, is the players are given, are given permission to make mistakes. And so. Mm. They're able to play with a freedom, um, and a little bit more instinct. Just get the ball forward, and and as a minimum, and even if it's it's grubby and it's not attractive football, it's effective, and you're playing your little part for the team. And I think McRae's been really open about that's what they're going to bring. Um, but for Bucks to suggest that they already began on that journey, uh, look, I don't think yeah. we really saw that evidenced on the park. So love mm. Nathan, but. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to get used to his voice in the media because he's going to be very prominent, isn't he? Yeah, and look, it's going to it's going to be good. Let's let's just let's just go. Let's look at you know Collingwood versus Fremantle at the MCG. Cold, twenty thousand people there. <clears throat> a little bit of an insipid lineup matchup, but you know, just getting that ball, kicking it long, kicking it forward. You know, I'll be smiling. I'll be smiling in the outer. My hard no is when's when's the first game of the season. Is it like in two weeks? When Eight, is it? 18th, I think, versus St Kilda. Mm, pretty close. So like <clears throat> 10-ish days, right? So my hard no goes out to the Nike organization. Mm. So I'm pretty sure as it stands, 10 days out from the opening of the season, there's been no sort of announcement of new Collingwood gear. Mm. Like for sale. So you can kind of say at this point, even if it was released today with like delays in shipping and all of that crap, um, you're probably not going to get, unless you physically go into a store, which I don't know anyone that still does that, um, you're, you're, pro- you're not going to get any of the new kind of merch club merchandise before the first game. So they haven't released anything? No. So if you go to the website, if you go to the store, it's still the 2021 stuff, you know, on sale, but there's been no sort of announcement from the club. And, you know, obviously like the Christmas period is a big, you know, is a big kind of selling point for for jumpers and jerseys and stuff like that. Is Presti you know, just trying to clear out the stock from last year? I just think, look, I, I've got this down as like Nike just phoning it in. I think we we put a we put a tweet out about a week ago and and had some feedback that it kind of that the Nike relationship ended really badly at Carlton just because let's face it like you know Collingwood is a massive club in Australia but you know on a global stage it's not selling the amount of shirts as you know you know that you'd see in in other sports around the world. So you think we're and small fry for them, and then it. Get- I think we're small fry for for the Nike organization. And this was this was the fear of mine. I was actually really excited about getting Nike on, despite like our strong allegiances to the three stripes. Um, mm-hmm. you know, striped over checks always. Not, not to heart. mention um, Star Athletic. Not to mention Star Athletic, but just you know the the, the concern was all right, like. How invested is is Nike going to be in this? Are we going to see commercials? Are we going to see campaigns? Are we going to see activations? Are members going to get discounts? Like, what's the, like, how how committed is Nike mm. to the Collingwood Football Club? And just, you know, being so close to the start of the season, no, you know, no new jumpers announced or revealed, like, kind of lackluster off-field wear, like, you know, just simple things like, black polos with like the Collingwood and Nike, you know, logos on them mm. through to like scars and stuff. Parkers, you know, jackets. I don't know. That's just kind of like, you know, and this is more like, this is more like us repping on behalf of the, of the pie hard 
and and Collingwood community out there who I'm sure are dying to get their hands on the latest jumpers and wear them to games and and buy them for friends and families and and stuff like that. But it's just you know what the fuck like Nike like mm. just do it just <laughs> just, just just release it yeah <laughs> just do it. All right, Damo. So in other news uh, during the week, we've had an article here in The Age by Jake Nile. Um, let me quote this uh, before we discuss. An investigation by The Age into the different funding of the 18 clubs over 10 seasons also found that Richmond, now a competition benchmark on and off the field, had surprisingly been given more funding than seven clubs over the past decade, gaining variable funding from, of more than $13 million compared with Collingwood's none. Collingwood fared the worst in in terms of funding by the league. The Magpies receiving zero dollars in variable funding over the decade, marginally behind the competition's financial behemoth West Coast. Collingwood's only non-base funding, according to the figures obtained by The Age, was $174,000 in 2012. Sources said this was a travel allowance. This really kind of stopped me in my tracks, Damo. And look, I'm a proponent in general terms of the, the AFL's socialist policies because I think that basically the draft, the salary cap, you know, soft cap, hard cap, all the caps, they, they kind of keep the league from becoming this totally lopsided shit show like the EPL, you know, where success is basically based on which Russian oligarch your club mm. is associated with. No one wants to see that lopsided competition. And let's be, let's be honest, like if we... If we did have this kind of capitalist, market-led approach to the AFL system, Alex Weislitz would have ensured that we won 10 flags in a row already. <laughs> Didn't happen. Um, I think we do like a fair game in Australia. We like the heritage of our clubs to be preserved. Um, for the most part, we don't want the clubs to wither away or merge, except maybe North Melbourne, which gets sent up to the Gold Coast and no one really <laughs> noticed. But, the issue for me here is with this this kind of investigative piece by the age and what it's uncovered is that we're not a pure ideology in the AFL demo. We've got this weird blend of socialism with all this these caps on spending mm-hmm. and measures to ensure, you know, the equality of the competition. But then on the other side we've got, you know, at the same time this kind of secretive arbitrary system of handouts. You know, which has to be uncovered by a newspaper for anyone to even know about it. It, it really mm. smacks of like boys' club, casually writing checks at Flower Drum, you know, willy nilly, and, and supporting this club over that club. The fact of the matter is that like for Richmond to have such a superior level of support um, over recent times, and not just before their premiership run, but but they've had more money since their premierships as well. It doesn't sit right. In the interests of the fa- fairness and transparency of the game, the integrity of the competition, I think that you know we need to know more about these shady handouts in the AFL. My mm. question for you: Should the fate of clubs be determined by casually scribbled checks mm. over Szechuan duck on oh, napkins? Interesting. Yeah, the the just to kind of unpack that a little bit, the Richmond thing is surprising. So I'm not surprised by like you know lopsided um funding going towards yeah, the, the gold expansion Coast, clubs example. gws yeah. and 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 the gold coast to get themselves established in in new markets that that i completely understand the richmond thing surprises me right so can i make an assumption there and i'm assuming the afl hasn't come out and um you know qualified this report with with statements or justification but am i right in saying richmond received that funding because they were so shit for so long yeah i think like, like we're talking about the, you know, when we won the flag in like 2010, like there was that era of Richmond just being real trash. And was that a yes. deliberate yes, ploy to by the AFL to get one of those powerhouse Victorian clubs back up yeah, they, because the, the net benefit? The article implies that they were close to rock bottom and so they needed that support. But the article also mentions that once they – even since their premiership era began in 2017, they've even since then they've they've had more funding than Collingwood, which Collingwood's mm. basically zero. Mm. And Richmond, I think, have had something like 
yeah, what well, says $13 million um, over the past decade um, compared to Collingwood's none. But, look, it's not so much in the in the minutiae of, like, the figures themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. It's more what I take what I take um, exception to is the fact that we just don't have any clear oversight of what happens in the AFL no. because it's this privately owned kind of thing. There's no, can, there's no industry body. There's no checks and balances. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's, it's all it's done. A, it's a committee yeah. and it's, it's, as you said, it's on white napkins at the drum. Um, you know, perhaps that, that part of that is, uh, is the strength of the code because mm. you have this kind of authoritarian system which is able to make decisions quite effectively. But I think mm. in, the, in the current day and age, Collingwood supporters and probably most supporters would, would, wouldn't mind a bit more transparency over these things. And $30 million wouldn't have gone astray over the last few years. I'm no. sure that we would find ways of, um, you know, what would we do with that? We could have a few more cryo chambers. Um, we could redecorate the facade. Resurrect the Vic Park Spa. Vic Park Spa. We could finally obliterate the um, the germs from the Vic Park Spa. Yeah, we could get some um, poo picker upperers at Vic Park. Um, so it's not just this turgid. Get um, those. You know, get those. Uh, produce our own Nike jumpers. Exactly. We can bring back the Magpie headbands mm. this time. Nike branded. Yeah. Well, look, that's always been the mark on the AFL, isn't it? As a professional sporting organisation, it's run. You know, it's run like a private corporation, and you know. If you if you're an outsider, if you're external to this whole sort of traveling show, if you're from another country, you'd look at it and say it's kind of a Mickey Mouse kind of setup, wouldn't you? Really? But uh, yeah, I think transparency is always important, and I think you know the AFL just needs to come out and justify their decisions. And if it's like if it is as point blank as we want to see Richmond do better, then that has to be um, reciprocated. To all other clubs when they're you know when they're doing it. I don't think that's the right approach but mm. it's like you know it can't be just these backroom decisions that are then uncovered by a journalist and the AFL just doesn't have to respond and um, doesn't need to respond and doesn't respond mm, spot on and demo the fact of the gulf between you know funding between clubs means that now more than ever and in the post-covid era sponsorship arrangements are absolutely key and that's what we're going to tackle in our next segment club was on the bottom. I know we were broke. Eddie had a vision and we're prepared to live to that vision. I sat down with Ed last week and resigned as the uh, the CEO of the Collingwood Football Club. Smoking shadows behind the windows. Bigger and better just keeps getting better and better. Three-year, multi-million dollar sponsorship with the most storied and famous club in all of Australian professional sports. Toasts will be replaced with tears, though, when the last Holden rolls off the assembly line in Adelaide. Joined again by Alex Weisselitz from Thorny Investments. We continue to um, populate the portfolio, what we hope will be the cream on the cake. Eddie Maguire has relinquished his vice-like grip on the Collingwood presidency, but in true Eddie style, there were plenty of backhanders for his many detractors. I saw a uh, vacuum emerge at the club after the events of earlier in the season. I have the time now to devote to a leadership role at the club, and that's what I've decided to do. I wouldn't be serving under the leadership of someone of Jeff Brown, who's coming together with an agenda of power and privilege. 32 years of struggle, ridicule and humiliation as the Collingwood Football Club once again regained its title as the most famous and successful sporting club in Australia. Pies Wide Shut. Pies Wide Shut is our exclusive insight into the backroom dealing and high stakes games of business and power that take place in the smoke and shadows behind the windows of the Lexus Centre. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Let's get into it. Breaking news, I guess, it was broken last night, um, was after a couple of years of sort of what's going to happen with the Lexus Centre, knee Holden Centre, um, as soon as Holden announced that they were departing um, manufacturing in Australia and no mm-hmm. longer existing as a brand, was the unveiling of AIA Group Limited, known as AIA, uh, an mm. American-founded Hongkanese multinational insurance and finance corporation. Hongkanese. Now get this, Alex. Mm. With total combined assets of two hundred and eighty-four billion, st- started by an 
American entrepreneur, I think his name was Cornelius, which is kind of cool, who made his <laughs> he made his money in the Far East, in Shanghai and Hong Kong, taking over the naming rights of the the formerly known as Lexus Center. As of today, I think. I think wow. there's an announcement happening today. But do you remember I Cornelius wanna- the band? Or the artist? No, no. Oh, I'm going to find a... Um... It was Chevy Chase's real name's Cornelius, isn't it? Okay, that's interesting. The only, that's the only Cornelius I know. But um, look, open arms, open arms, open wallets. Welcome AIA to the Collingwood family. I'm going to go out here and say this is a great move by the Collingwood Football Club. And it goes back to the comments made by Jeff Brown earlier on in the year. Um, where he was saying, basically, we've had, as a club, a really rough two years in terms of sponsorship. Uh, it's been really hard to secure sponsors during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, we've lost a lot of revenue that's come in, and we know that a healthy club is a club that has a strong bank balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've never had an issue at, as, at the Collingwood Football Club of announcing big, high-profile, multinational sponsors. We've just landed KFC, mm-hmm. add that to Emirates, um, even Latrobe Financial, I think, is owned by GE Money globally. And now with the addition of AIA, um, that's a pretty powerful sort of chessboard of, of, of major sponsors and partners. So, in, just run up by me again. What does AIA do? They're an insurance and a financial company, okay. predom- predominantly health insurance, I think, in this country. Um, yeah. they, have t- they have tentacles and they have arms. I'm sure they're in... All, all myriad of, of, of financial service, service, now, services globally. Is but Cornelius? Here, I think it's big health insurance. Is Cornelius known as a Magpie supporter? Is he kind of going to be a new Weisslitz type, or is he the kind of guy who will will visit on a gloomy Marvel Stadium match day and will bequeath him with a scarf and and get him into the huddle when he has no idea what's going on? I hope he doesn't visit the football this year because he is dead. Oh. Um, and did die. <laughs> let me just check. He did die in 1968. Oh, okay. So it is possible. Okay. It is it is possible in some way, shape, or form. It could be an urn, um, you know, visits. But uh, look, we all know, you know, if, if you know Cornelius van der Star as well as I do, certainly a pies man at heart. <laughs> yeah, well, he is now, and his fortune of 185 billion just went to 185.1. Billion mm, with the mm. acquisition of the club. <laughs> mm, mm. Very so, interesting. Yeah, look, so it's not what we were expecting. I think we were maybe expecting something a little bit more sexy, but I would just call out to to the Pie Hard supporters, this is all about money in the bank and uh-huh. we, love, we love our big, healthy, juicy conglomerates on Pie Hard. Oh, do we ever. And I don't know how long they're going to be sponsoring for, but I welcome everyone following the first game of the season against St Kilda to head to the AIA Centre after yep. the match for a tipple. Mm-hmm. Uh, a nod of the hat to Cornelius for what he's built. And, yeah, just on behalf of, of everyone here at Pie Hard, would like to welcome um, that big multinational international conglomerate to, um, to the Collingwood family. Well said. Well said. New Horizons commercially. And, um, Damo, today's Pies Word Shot has two parts. Um, I have stumbled upon uh, some information. Now, I'm going to actually create here a segment within a segment. This is new. He came up behind him like a librarian. He never heard it. Oh, no surprise, everybody else in the library is shouting. Like a librarian, we go back into the archive, the socials, the Pi Hard Socials archive, to analyze an image. Now, Damo, have you got your phone there? Uh, yes, I do. Jump on Pi Hard Twitter, and you can do this at home. You can follow along. Jump on Firehard Twitter and go to a post. I'm not sure what the date is. It says five days ago, and it mm. features one P. Dacos. Let me know when you oh, got yeah. the. Um, you got yeah, that? Yeah, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. All right, demo. So explain to the listener what we are looking at in that image. This story actually came uh, to us via the the crooked um, platform that is LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and my understanding is that a Collingwood delegation consisting of Mark Anderson, Jeff Brown, Peter Dacos, and I believe some of the sales and marketing corporate (laughs) staff of the Collingwood Football Club were invited invitation only to Dubai to Mm -hmm. a World Expo. Do you remember World Expos? Yeah, yeah. Big big news of World Expo. 
Big news. So, so they were invited uh, as a Collingwood contingent. I'm sure there were other conversations being had during this visit, but they brought along Peter Dacos. And I think the image you're referring to is a shot of Peter Dacos um, teaching one of the Emirates crew members how to hand pass a ball. Now, the mm-hmm. Emirates crew member is in full regalia, right? So, yeah. wearing the, the Emirates hat. Mm, the hat. The beige dress, the the red high-heeled uh, shoes. The red looking hat, re- which matches, matches the red of the Sharon. The red Sharon. Synthetic turf. I didn't want to go there, but Peter's right hand is clenched <laughs> in a fist and is uh, potentially touching the buttock um, of said yeah. uh, crew hostess. It's not, Acc- not uh, lewd. Yep. Can I just say, can, can completely accidental and more of the time, like we're, we're talking about Peter Dacos, a hero of the 90s where, you know, <laughs> that kind of corporate behaviour was not only um, encouraged but accepted. So, But he's got glasses no, on which kind of softens that, you know, predatorial. Oh, yeah, no. Um, yeah, he's got no, he's, he's looking very astute. No, no connotations, bookish. no connotations. This is just a friendly um, clinic, if you will, um, for crew members. But what I loved about this... Um, what I loved about there's a couple of things that really stuck out for me. I'm not sure if you're going to go there, but I'm going to I'm going to sneak in there. Mm. One thing was the footwear of Jeff Brown. Okay. Um, now this is a very corporate setting, um, but everyone. Oh, this is very, in the photograph, which was this is in the photograph. This is in the, the photograph that they released. Part of Mark Anderson's LinkedIn post. There's a bunch of photographs. There's the one we just described with Peter Dacos in the handball clinic. There's also a photograph of. The whole delegation, including Jeff Brown. Mm. Well, Jeff Brown was, it was very casual, right? I was expecting lots of suits, right? And and sort of like nice loafers or, or, or leather leather shoes. But Jeff Brown was rocking a pair of Converse yep. All-Stars, but not just any variety of All-Star. He was wearing the All-Star Lift. Now, have you heard of the All-Star ah, Lift? No, I'm looking at it now though and he's mm. feet here. Okay. Well, it looks like just any other black Converse All Star that you'd, oh, you'd, got it. you'd, yeah. you'd find at any store. There's but it, white it has toes, white toe it, caps. Yeah, it does. But the 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 trick here is it has a two inch um, sole. Oh, it's a lift. It lifts it's a him. Lift. It mm. adds height to the to the big man. Interesting. Adds, adds, hi- adds height to the wearer. And it so has in the photograph boosted him noticeably taller. Than Mark Anderson, the CEO, who's on his right hand mm, side. Very cunning and strategic yeah, move that isn't lost. He's got the lift. He's got <laughs> the lift. Isn't lost shoes. on Pie Hard. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, the thing that stands out to me about this this image, they're standing in a kind of futuristic spaceship like Emirates lobby environment. Mm. There's something, you know, there's a bunch of faceless people here in Collingwood Attire who you said maybe commercial kind of corporate wing. Um, not super, super interested in those, but what does interest me is the big three. We have the CEO, mm. and this gets to the heart of, um, you know, why this is a pies wide chart. The CEO, the new president-elect, and the club legend, Peter Dacos, mm. have all flown to Dubai. Is it Dubai mm. or the Dubai. other one? Yeah. To discover the future at the Discover the Future Expo. Um, pavilion, the Emirates Pavilion, and says mm. here, we finally made it thanks to COVID by 2022. Strange um, sentence structure there, but what Mark <laughs> Anderson's saying is that they had they weren't able to get across to Dubai to meet their partners at Emirates because of COVID. Mm. Well, I'm led to believe through sources that potentially COVID wasn't the the reason behind. Uh, let's say, the delay and the sudden decision to go to Dubai and the mm. fact that they brought out the big guns and mm. there's no bigger gun than Peter Dacos mm. may have something to do with a certain level of disgruntlement from <gasps> Emirates' longtime sponsor <gasps> at the state of the partnership and particularly, specifically, perhaps some disgruntlement at the appointment of KFC as a co-major sponsor. Now, I've got to say, and I'm not blowing my own trumpet, but I am blowing this my is trumpet. Big. I mentioned this in the last pod, which is part 32, the second coming of Josh Fraser, that I thought that the unveiling of KFC as a major sponsor and the way they deploy red on, on top of the black and white, like red is a big part of the KFC branding, potentially mm. was stepping on the toes of Emirates who have always like 
claimed the red. I mean, the red, the brand association of red on black and white is is Emirates, mm. and now KFC is kind of stepping on their, you know, cutting their cheese. Um, they're cutting a lunch, I should say. Cutting cheese is fighting, isn't it? But maybe fighting too after a bit of chicken. But I think it's very interesting that um, let's just call them rumours, but uh, they may or may not be more than that. That perhaps Emirates hasn't been too happy with the partnership, and that this was a rescue mission, sending the big mm. guns to try and placate them, um, get the relationship back on track. Which which I find which I find funny because. I mean, Emirates wouldn't have any these 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 Emirates people over in the Gulf wouldn't have any idea of who Peter Dacos is. So I'm not sure what the actual reason for sending Peter. But yeah, I don't know. They would now because their handballing and kicking would have improved um, tenfold since the visit of the great man to to Dubai. So he's left a, obviously a big mark. But I find that really interesting, and that's like I I look at it the other way. I'm like if 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 a multi million dollar multi year premier partnership mm. relationship is on the brink and about to fall over mm. there's really only one man for the job yes and you're right. that's you're right. that's 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 the great man Do not i would have actually him. if it wasn't if it wasn't for a clash of schedules do you, do you know that the hallam hotel i think it was 2 weeks ago did a very special meet the 3 dacos meet, oh, meet the 3 dacos poster saw the poster yep you know, go down there, pay 70 bucks, you can meet, get something signed, have a parlor. All free, yeah, Listen fantastic. to some stories. I would say the only thing I'll do to just discount, if 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 the relationship was in a very bad state, you'd send the three over there, wouldn't you? You'd do the Hallam Hotel live from Dubai set up. The Hallam Hotel in Dubai, yeah, imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> you get put in jail after the sixth pint, I think, um, for contravening the law of Islam, but... I will uh, just finish off on um, another image in that suite of images mm. posted by Mark Anderson of, um, and, and credit to Mark for a sense of humour. They've got Dakes here uh, standing on the water wall, which appears to be um, a very large, uh, impressive, sloping, wave-like wall made of something mm. with water rushing down and him adopting a surfing stance. Um, mm. And Mark says here in the caption, while he was mercurial on the field, the performances, the the performance at the water wall shows he can't actually walk on water. Good one, Mark. Mm, love it, Mark. Yeah, I, I think one of the things they did on that um, sojourn too, I think it was in that post, is they got to design <laughs> the, the, an aeroplane of the future. Did you see that bit? <laughs> That's like uh, the Homer Simpson just, car yeah, design. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder just, what Dakos' design. Know, yeah, just- <laughs> everyone wants to know what, what Dakos' sort of additions to like – a fast-moving A380 would be, whether it was like pure engineering and it was more about, you know, the weight-to-speed ratio. Oh, you'd have a little Maybe mini... Maybe fuel. You'd have a little mini um, pocket from mm. which to mm. curve a banana mm, mm, through mm. some mini goalposts uh, mm. near the first-class cabin, surely. Hopefully, we can get those plans and just... Maybe we can interview Dakes this year. Maybe that would be great. Right, so, just get, top, get to the bottom of what, of what, a Dacos, what a Dacos design jet would look like because I think, you know, that would be something that, you know, could not only be um, beneficial for our listeners but could, could ultimately change, you know, humankind and travel as we know it. <laughs> we will interview Peter Dacos. I mean, that's going to be one of our KPIs. We will interview... We. We will get the white whale. We'll get P. Dacos on the pod. All right. It's going to be a big year. We're going to take you along for the ride. Thanks, as always, for listening and supporting Pie Hard. I'm excited. It's going to be a huge 2022, Al. I'm excited. Taking you out now with uh, Cornelius from his 2001 album, Point. This is Pie Hard. Nuggets.